Okay. You're going to have a seat. I want to uh, thank the worship team. I, you know, I was thinking as I was worshiping along with them and uh, being led by them, how, how thankful I am for them, um, each and every one of them, uh, their friends, um, their leaders. And I, I was thinking, you know, of, of Mimi, who's up here uh, leading us and just who she is and her, her kind spirit. And, and really, I mean, she's a Christian. <laughs> uh, she's a follower of Jesus. And uh, I just want you to know, when you're being led by, by Mimi, you're being led by somebody who knows the Lord. And there's something to be said for that. Um, she's, she's not up here because she wants to entertain, uh, but because she wants to lead us in worship. She wants to lead us into the presence of God. And that last song that we just sang, uh, I hope we meant it. The idea behind it is that Christ is our firm foundation. When the, uh, when the winds blow and the storms come, that we actually, we actually trust Jesus. And as people who want to be disciples of Jesus and followers of Jesus, and as a church, that's, that's the kind of people that I hope you will become and, and be. And, and really, that's the reason um, I'm spending really four weeks on a particular series where we're addressing a particular topic, is really seeing what, what Jesus has to say about certain things. And I think Jesus surprises us when it comes to a lot of his teaching and, and what he has to say. Um, and, and today we'll get in, into some of that because some of it is, is so countercultural. And today we're going to look at some of the teaching of Jesus, and I think we're going to be kind of surprised maybe at, at what he says or maybe even need to just reorient our lives and, and the way we think a little bit. If you were here last week, you, you know, we uh, started really kind of four weeks into addressing anxiety and stress. And the reason for that is during Easter, when most people are here, like when you all show up and a few others do as well, um, we take, take a survey. And in that survey, I ask, just, hey, what, what would you like me to address? And uh, the top vote getters was anxiety and stress. And what I reminded or told you of last, last week was I've done this maybe five or six times. And every time, every time that comes back as the top two. I, I've never taken that survey and that having been an option and anxiety and stress not been at the top. And like I told you, this was before COVID. This is before a, a number of things happened. And so what I believe about that is that we are living our lives and we have been living our lives in ways that just cultivate anxiety and stress. And one of the things that I, I want to tell you, like if there's a biological reason for, for your anxiety and stress, I, I'm, I'm not against medication or anything like that. However, I think so many of us are dealing with it in ways that are unhealthy and we're dealing with it so often and we're experiencing it so often. Like there's more than just kind of biological problems going on with us. And even just if you had health problems, like, okay, you might want to diet, so you might want to restrict or take some certain things for your diet. But there's also exercise that's needed. There's also some things that you need to do to improve the way that you're living if you're going to get better. And so that's what we're trying to do over the next several weeks. Um, and uh, today, I'm going to challenge the way you think and hopefully the way you live by looking at a particular topic. Uh, last week, we looked at secularism. This week, we're looking at materialism. Materialism. Let me define this for you. Materialism is a tendency to consider material possessions and physical comfort as more important than spiritual values. Read that one more time. It's a tendency to consider material possessions and physical comfort 
as more important than spiritual values. And so here's a little bit of my thesis this morning, is that I think many of us are, are suffering not from the absence of something, but from the present, presence of, suffering, of something. And we are suffering because we have an incorrect set of values and way of life that are making us anxious and unhappy. And part of that is materialism and consumerism. The interesting thing about this is that Jesus actually addresses this directly in the Sermon on the Mount. And he probably, he, he talks about this as much as any topic, really, if you read through uh, the, the Sermon on the Mount. We're going we're gonna to read what he has to say about it and hopefully just be challenged by it this morning and maybe reorient our hearts and our lives uh, in light of what he has to say. So I'm going to pick up here in Matthew uh, chapter 6 and verse 19. I'm going to read through verse 24 and we're going to stop and we're gonna continue to move on. So here's what Jesus has to say. He says, do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Jesus says this, you cannot serve both God and money. In 2017, at the end of the year, uh, my wife Emily came up to me, and she's like, Josh, I've been reading this blog. So my first thought was, I'm about to remodel something. (laughs) It was actually the opposite. Uh, She began to explain to me uh, that she was reading this blog, and in this blog, this this couple, what they had decided to do is they had decided to go a year without buying anything, like anything that wasn't consumable. In other words, like anything that wasn't food, anything that wasn't that you didn't necessarily need on a day-to-day basis that that wouldn't wear out. And so she begins to explain this to me. And as a single-income family at the time with three kids, and I'm pretty cheap, I'm like, tell me more. <laughs> uh, and uh, so she, she continues to explain this to me, and um, what we decided to do is we decided to do it ourselves. We called it the, the year of living with less. Uh, we, we wrote about this and blogged about this. You can kind of read about it. on. Uh, we, we don't keep up with our blog. We should, but it's, it's Dieter's Do Discipleship. You can, kinda, you can read about what she wrote. It was written about in, in Church of God Ministries, all this stuff. But, but so basically what we agreed to do, like she wasn't going to buy any craft supplies. She wasn't going to buy any, any new clothes. I mean, if your, shoe, if your tennis shoes ran, wore out, like you got a hole in them, you could go buy a new ter- pair of tennis shoes. If you got a rip in your jeans, you could buy uh, a new pair of jeans or whatever that you, you needed. And we were going to declutter and get rid of stuff. I, I wasn't allowed to buy any hunting or fishing things. Or anything like that. So you can imagine, like, we, we, but we, we agreed to do that and we embarked on it. And the, the reason behind it is not just because we wanted to become less materialistic, but we wanted to focus on a few things. We wanted to simplify our lives. We wanted to learn to kind of appreciate our relationships, to focus on those sorts of things. Emily is kind of a creative person, so how do we be creative with what we have? Not only that, we, we assumed that, okay, if we are, are spending less, now maybe we can, we can give more away. 
And then the question that would happen throughout the year, and uh, even when we kind of got done with it, when people were interviewing us and asking us about it, is like, how did you do? How did it go? Were you successful? And for the most part, I, I mean, we were. To Emily, uh, she admitted she bought a pair of, of um, earphones because she started running during this time, and so she wanted something to listen to. And we went on vacation to the beach, and she bought a book because she didn't trust herself, taking a library book to the beach. And then I failed big, uh, but, <laughs> but it had a purpose within everything we were doing. I bought a shed. Um, we had a one-car garage at the time, and so we couldn't fit our car into the garage, and I had to get my lawn stuff out of the garage. And I, like you budgeters, I had budgeted for the shed the year before, okay? So that was my excuse. So I had to, during a year where we were trying to buy things, I had to buy something to put my things in uh, and, and move them over there. So we, we engaged in this, and we did it, and we had a lot of fun. And we were able to declutter and give things away, and it was, it was a really interesting year. Now, I would like to say that we still do that. We don't. I want to tell you about a, another man named Tim, Tim Kasser. Uh, Tim Kasser grew up in uh, South Florida, Southwest Florida, and he grew up in Pinellas County. I think that's how you say that. And at the time of him growing up in the 70s, it became the fastest growing county in the United States. And what happened is they began to build uh, malls and shopping centers and high-rises and stuff along the beach. Everywhere where he said he, he was growing up as a kid, everything kind of began to change. So the places that he was exploring and uh, advent, having adventures in and, and playing with his friends in and all those sorts of things, he said they began, they began to, to change. And basically, uh, this consumeristic area, and as it began to build up and develop and all these sorts of things, and he said, so he noticed... What happened as he grew into his teens, teenagers, um, he wanted to spend all of his time at the mall, and he thought that he could kind of just buy his way to happiness and purchase his way to happiness, uh, but what he discovered is he's actually felt like his, his quality of life was actually not getting better, but it was lessening. Later on in life, he became, he got a doctorate in psychology and decided that he was going to uh, study materialism and consumerism. And what he did, he basically did a series of 12 studies, and to a T, he said each and every study out of the 12 found that the more materialistic and extrins extrinsically motivated, in other words, the more motivated you are by other people and other things, the more anxious and depressed you will be. So there is a direct correlation to loving and longing for more stuff to anxiety. What's interesting about this is that happiness and peace are sold to us every day through ads, that we have to have the next big thing. Yet, they often have the opposite effect. Like if, we, if we believe that we can purchase our way to happiness, it just won't happen. Or if we can purchase our way to peace, it just won't happen. Um, Jonathan Hari, or Johan Hari, in his book, Lost Connections, you know, he studied a, a lot of these sorts of things himself. He says, he says this rightly. He said, for thousands of years, philosophers have been suggesting that if you overvalue money and possessions, or if you think about life mainly in terms of how you look to other people, you will be unhappy. You just will be. Now, I, I believe personally that Jesus is the greatest of these. You know, we celebrate Jesus as God and Savior 
Messiah, all of these sorts of things. 100% true, and we should celebrate him as that. But I think so often we don't look at him really as just a great teacher, a, a, a great philosopher, like somebody who knows what he's talking about when it comes to life and what should we should believe and how we should live. And so Jesus teaches about this, and he's, he's incredibly blunt, really, um, about some of this. And so we're going to continue in what he teaches in verse 25. He says, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body or what you will put on. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they are? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of your life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, the richest man, the wisest man in the Bible, in all of his glory, was not arrayed by one of the, like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, the people who do not follow, do not believe in God, seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble." So in this teaching, as Jesus is teaching about materialism, consumerism, and so forth, basically there's an underlying principle here. He tells us this, first seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then everything we need, our clothes, our food. He's not denying that you need certain things, but he's saying all of these things will be given to you. But what he wants us to understand, that not only do we need food and clothing, but we have, we have needs as deep, if not deeper, than food and clothing. He's saying some of our greatest needs is to get life with God right, is to get what it looks like to live a righteous life right. In other words, there, there are needs that we have that we have to pursue. There are spiritual needs, there are social needs, there are psychological needs and moral needs that are innate, that, that are there, that we so often ignore. You know, some of your greatest needs in life that feel connected to feel valued, secure, to feel like you make a difference in the world, to have some autonomy or some personal freedom, and even to feel like you're good at something. Unfortunately, a lot of us have what uh, Johann Hari calls junk values. He just comes out and says, this is what he labels them, junk values, like materialism. Um, which, make us, which makes us anxious. And the Greek word, uh, anxiety, is closely connected. Anxiety and worry is closely connected with being choked. And so if you have values uh, that are, are causing anxiety, if you're experiencing anxiety, these values, what they're doing is they're actually choking the good things out of your life that God wants for you. If you're applying them to your life and you're accepting them. And so there's, there's values that you can have that are, that are choking what's best for you out of your life. And I'm going to give you two here that Jesus mentions, and one is obvious. Uh, the first is material, material possessions, our material possessions. 
Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Now, not all material possessions are bad. We need some things. We need some things that we can enjoy. But what's interesting about material possessions and what we kind of innately know is that they aren't eternal. They aren't eternal. Like, if, if we don't view them as tools to be used just simply for our enjoyment, for the good of other people, and we think that they're going to make us happy, and they think they're going to give us meaning and value, they're, just, they're not going to do that. Instead, they're going to make us anxious. I mean, think about this. We're probably the most, we, we probably, in general, are some of the most anxious people to ever live on the face of the planet. Um, and yet, we probably have more comforts than we've ever had in the history of the world. I mean, think about, like, all the, the gadgets, the doohickeys, and all these sorts of things that you have to make your life easier and better and more comfortable. Think about all of that. Now, just think back. Just say you're alive 150 years ago, just 150 years, a couple generations, and pretend you're the king or the president. Would you rather have your life now and the comforts that you have or the comforts that they had? Okay? Just one thing to think about here, indoor plumbing. All right? That, that should be enough for all of us. But when we place value on all these things that we're getting and think, man, they're going to make my life so much better, I, I think there's, we know that there, those things, there's an impermanence to those things that are not good for us. Because you're, you're an eternal person. You were meant for eternal things and e- eternal values and, in, and an eternal God. And what Jesus points out is that all the things that we collect and all the things that we have, they, they can't cause anxiety because they're not eternal. All of those things, they're going to wear out. Like, as cool as your house is, somebody's going to tear it down someday, and they're going to build a new one. That kitchen that you just remodeled, like, somebody's going to remodel it again. Right? You might even. Like, you're going to look at it in 20 years and go, why do we use that color? Right? All of those things, they, they rust, they destroy. Thieves can break in and steal them. Like, those aren't the things that last. And really, on your final day, you're not going to look back at all those things, and, and you're not going to think about, like, oh, man. Aren't I glad I own that? You're going to think about the people that you're with, the things that you did, the way that you changed people's lives. Those things are eternal. Those things are matter. Those things are investments in the kingdom of God. And so all of these other things, they make us anxious because they're not made to be in the first place. They won't bring us peace. The second is this. It's the pursuit of approval and status. Teenagers, even, even adults like to be popular. I don't know if you know this or not, but we're like, we're just bigger kids or older kids. You all are taller than me, so you're bigger than me. But we're just, we're just older. Like we still do some of the, the same things that you do. We still want to pursue, you know, being popular or liked or the approval of others. But Jesus addresses this. He says, why are you anxious about clothing? He uses clothing as an example. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither... They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon, even the guy who could address better than everybody else in the history of the world, right, in all his glory, was not as cool as the flowers. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? 
if you care more about what other, thinks, uh, what other people think about you than God, what God thinks about you, it's a junk value. It's a junk value. And what that junk value will do to us is it'll allow the opinions of others to drive what we do, what we purchase, what we desire. Because if we think that having the right clothes or dressing the right way or looking the right way uh, can help us to, to impress others, what we will be driven by will be driven by ex- extrinsic values, which is the values of other people instead of God. And so we will buy things that we don't need that ultimately won't make us happy and are not good for us. In the same way, if, if you are a person who primarily judges people in that way, you will become the type of person who cannot have a good relationship with others, who cannot have a lasting relationship with others, because as soon as somebody better, cooler, more popular comes along, you will allow what they are or aren't able to give you to ruin your relationship. You will, you will use them or just see the utility in them. So we need to be careful about this. Now, there's nothing wrong with having cool clothes or wearing cool clothes. If you enjoy fashion, like, buy some cool clothes. Like, some of us try to impress with our vehicles or, or whatever. Like, if you like cool cars, get a cool car, right? If, if you know, you, you want to live in a particular house, like, it's great. Live in a particular house in a particular neighborhood. But do it not because you're being driven by other people, but because you want to give back to that place. You want to give back to that neighborhood. You want to give back to that community. Psychologists have discovered that the more materialistic that we, come, we become, the shorter and more anxious ridden our relationships will be because we're always doing things to impress others. For instance, right, if you're always dressing a certain way or buying a certain thing to impress others, you're always asking, like, are they going to reward me for this? And when they don't, like, if you don't say, somebody doesn't say to me today how cool my jacket is, right, I'm going to be crushed. <laughs> I already got one. I already got one, you know. But then you're also going to be asking, like, do they, do they just like me for my jacket? <laughs> that's probably the only reason they like me. <laughs> like, that's, that's not how you want to. But on, on the other hand, right, like I said, if you value other people, for just how impressive they are to you, you will dump them when they're not. So, we're supposed to seek God's righteousness in everything as an ultimate value. And if we are the type of people who are always just trying to look good on the outside, trying to impress people with the outside on the things that we have, what will happen is we'll ignore the inside. We will ignore who God wants us to become and what he's trying to do in our lives. And there's the old saying, like, you can put lipstick on a pig, but still pig, right? (laughs) You don't want to be a pig. (laughs) So you you want to check yourself. Why, what are you doing? What What are you trying to get out of the things that you have and the things that you're pursuing? So the cool thing, though, about values uh, in general, is that you can change them. Values can change. And this is what Jesus is asking people to consider here in his teaching. He's asking people to consider what do they value. And if what they value is making them anxious and it's harming them and harming the people around them, he's saying that that can change. And he's calling people and he's asking people to consider changing them in really simple ways. 
here. And so I'm going to give you three ways to, to change your values or to think about the way that you um, value materials and maybe how you can change that. And here we go. And these are, I believe these are kingdom values that we need to evaluate here. And the first is really simple. It's part of our mission. Um, we want people to love God. It's, it's to value God. And it's to value God as much as God values you, really. But Jesus is incredibly blunt about this. I mean, he shows up and he says, he's telling the group there that's listening to him in the sermon, and he says, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the, despise the other. He said, you cannot serve both God and money. Now, Jesus uses hyperbole fairly often in his preaching. Uh, the, the point is not for you to look at your homes, to look at the things you have, to look at all your material possessions, and for you to, to actually hate them. Like to, to go home and burn it all up and destroy it all. It, that's, that's not the point. But the point really is to ask you to change the way that you view them and to look at them, and really ask yourself, are these the things that are driving me in life, or is it God? Am I serving, am I serving my money, and my possessions, and my wealth, and the pursuit of that all more than I am pursuing God? That's, that's what Jesus is clearly trying to, to get us to ask, and the reasons are, are clear. One is a really good master, and the other destroys. One makes us anxious and harms us and other people, and the others helps us to love other people. But one will take what we need from us. If we only pursue it, if we only value it, it will take the relationships that we need in our lives. It will keep us from loving other people in the way that we should love them. It will keep us from giving and providing from the way that we pr should provide, and yet Jesus promises that if we actually take his, 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 his teaching seriously, that we will have what we need. We will have the basic necessities of what we need, food and clothing and so much more. And what he does is he tells us to look at the birds of the air. And the point of that is he's saying, look at them. Like, they have what they need. And he's, saying, do you, he's asking the people, like, do you believe they have, those birds, the birds have what they need? And then he asks a really rhetorical and silly question. It's this. Is, are you, all of you, not more valuable than they are? Now, it's, it's hard to tell. I think Jesus probably had a little bit of a sense of humor. This is probably a little bit of a joke. Because when you come to the temple, the poor brought a bird to sacrifice. Like, the, the poorest of among the people would bring a bird to sacrifice. So when he says, aren't you of more value than the birds? Like anybody could afford a bird is basically the point that he's making here. And so it's of course. Of course you're more valuable than they are. And you are, each and every one of you. God has paid a high price. You were bought at the highest price. God sent his son, Jesus. Jesus the guy who's teaching this right now, who we worship and People around the world are worshiping right now. The perfect God, man, never said, never said, never did anything that he should, shouldn't have done. He lived I mean, an incredible life. People are worshiping him around the world right now. He sits on the throne. Angels are worshiping him. He died for you. Like you, you, are, you are worth more than you could ever imagine. 
That's, that's one of the things that Jesus is doing when he comes. And they don't even know this right now. The people that he's teaching this to. They have no idea what Jesus is going to do for them. They don't, they don't even know that he's God at this point. But you do. I mean, some of you do. Some of you are trying to figure it out, and that's fine. Like, you're good. You're here. We're glad. But I just want you to know, like, us Christians who struggle with this, by the way, like, we know Jesus is God. And sometimes we forget this. What the price he paid and how valuable you are. But not only that, like, even, even if you're not sure about that, you, what Jesus is pointing out to and may be clear to them is that you're made in the image of God. You can't brush this off here. Like, the birds are beautiful. They're great. I, I kind of, as I get older, I kind of like bird watching a little bit. I, you know, I, I remember I was sitting in class one day, and uh, there's this fullback. Uh, he played fullback for Ole Miss in, in, in graduate school. And uh, big man, you can imagine, fullback at Ole Miss. His brother, his brother was a tight end in the NFL. He was an all-pro tight end in the NFL. So this is a big family. And he turns around to me one day, and he goes, hey, Dieter. You won't even guess what I'm into now. Like, what, man? And he's like, burden. What are you talking about? I go out bird watching. All right, cool, Jason. Uh, but the, the, the point is, is that birds can't do what you can do. Like, birds aren't communing with God. Birds can't have the same conversations with God that, that you can have. Birds can't think about some of the things that you can think about. Birds, birds aren't in Christ like you are. Christ is not in them like he is in you. But one of the things that birds do is they do what God has simply called them to do. And part of the illustration here is that the birds are being birds. They're working. You're supposed to work. They're doing, like birds work as much as almost any other animal to build homes, nests, to eat, all of those sorts of things. But they're simply doing what God has called them to do. And they're burdenous. And what he's saying is as they do what God has called them to do as birds, there's no need to be anxious. Do what God has called you to do and is leading you to do, and by faith believe that God is with you, is what Jesus is doing here. Value God as much as he values you, and remember that he's with you in it. Second is this. Value what God values most and what you need most. Um, I don't want to, you know, I'll promote it. I don't care. Emily did most of the writing. Um, promote the blog too much. Like I said, we don't even do it a whole lot. But um, I love what Emily said. She's not even here for me to get brownie points. Uh, it's just really a shame. She's with the kids. But she, she wrote one of the reasons that we were doing it and, and some of the fruit of not buying anything for that year was, was really simple. She, this is what she wrote. She said, shopping or organizing your things are not in themselves bad, but I know my time could be better spent. Instead of my online shopping cart, I want to see my children. Instead of that trip to Target, I want to go to dinner with my husband. My focus has, has shifted to consumption rather than relationships. For me, this challenge means seeing people in my life rather than the things that I can acquire. Maybe there are things in your life that are, are keeping you what's truly good from what's truly good, what you truly enjoy, what you really, truly want to do, and who you truly want to be. 
And maybe, you know, whether it's buying something or, or doing whatever it might be, maybe you need to ask yourself, like, why, wh- why am I doing this? Why am I purchasing the things that I'm purchasing? Is this, is this really going to improve my life? Like, ask yourself that. It, it actually might help you. Like, there, there are things that we need. Like, those of you who sell things and market things, like, there are things that, that hopefully will make my life better or easier. There are hobbies that I have that, you know, I, I want to be able to do. And, and praise God for people who make things, sell things, all of those sorts of things. But at the end of the day, I think we need to ask those hard questions and have them in right perspective. How is this really going to prove, improve my life? What we discovered with our year of living with less was really it became a year of simply living with what we had. Um, and like I said, even a young family on a single income. And I'll just tell you, like, I wasn't making, I'm, I'm a pastor. It wasn't a large, super large church. Like, I, I wasn't killing it, um, you know. Uh, but what we discovered is that, man, we still had a lot of stuff. And we, we still had a lot that we could do a lot of cool things with. And I think so many of us, we're really good at seeing what we don't have. But we're really bad at seeing what we do. And sometimes evaluating right, our, our materialistic mindset or consumer mindset can help us see like, what we actually have and give thanks for that. I mean, I think gratitude, you know, I think Mimi talked about gratitude during the worship set. I mean, go home today, just as, a, just as a practice. Walk around your house or around your neighborhood or look at your family members, anybody who's there, friends, anybody who's around you, and just thank God for them. Thank God for it. Thank God for it. Third, the last thing I think we need to value is generosity. We need to value generosity. By our very nature, we treasure um, where we give to. Uh, we, we, are, are, we serve what we treasure, excuse me, or value even. But Jesus said in verse 21, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Our hearts do follow our investments. They do. Uh, I'll tell you, I, like I said, I've, I do the finances in our family. I'm a I'm future-thinking person. I, I want to know, uh, can I, am I going to be able to retire at a decent age? Right? Or are you all going to be trying to fire me when I'm 90 because I refuse to leave and I've found my identity in being a preacher pastor? Right? Yeah, I want to be I, like, that's not who I want to be. Uh, so I, I, but since I have a retirement account and I have investments and assets and all those sorts of things, I check on them. I, I mean, I just do because I've got, I've got money, I've got time, I've got my future caught up in a lot of that. So I just tell you, like, I know. I, I, I check on them, and I, and I keep up with it. I want to know if they're doing well. And my wife, I, I, men in general in my family, and I don't know about hers right now. We don't live super long, but women seem to live forever in my wife's family. Um, my mother-in-law's here right now. Her, her, my, my, my wife's great-grandmother was the oldest living out. She lived at 107. I'll just tell you that. So... Um, <laughs> So I want to know, like, is she going to be taken care of and not have to marry another person? Because that's not, no. Um, (laughs) She will, I know. Um, (laughs) She can't stand to be alone. Um, So how do we value generosity? We have to do it. We have to do it. And and here I'm just going to 
here are some ways. You got to give. You got to give. You got to give money away. You got to give things away. There's, there's really, to, if you're going to be, gen, you're going to value generosity. You got to be generous. And I'll just tell you, we don't do this a lot. And um, I mean, we sometimes, half the time, we forget to even ask on a Sunday morning for gifts. But I'm going to ask, like, if you're a person and you're trying to become more generous, I'm going to ask that you give the catalyst. You know, I, I tell people I've been, I've been giving and tithing since I was, I was 21. 21. Because I believe that the local church is investing in the kingdom of God. I, I, don't, I don't believe that the kingdom of God really exists without Christ's church. I mean, that, that was the church is the way that Jesus decided that he was going to establish the kingdom. Are they the same thing? No. But the church is supposed to be ushering the kingdom forward. And so I, I, I'm going to ask that you, you invest in this place, that you give to this place and these people. And, and so I'm inviting you into that. If it's not here, give somewhere else. Go somewhere that you think the kingdom of God is being built, and you can seek his righteousness there. I'll, I'll just tell you that. Seek God's kingdom. And will I tell you that I, I'm not one of the type of person, too, that's going to tell you that it will make you help or wealthier. I have seen God show up in my lives in ways that I can't imagine as somebody has given. But like, I'm not a prosperity teacher or preacher. You might have to give up some things to become generous. Right? We, we, and the reason for that, I can send you to churches that tell you that you will get more and more and more if you give and give and give. Um, I, I just tell you, I don't see that in the New Testament. I don't see that in the people that follow Jesus. They sacrifice. They sacrifice. But here's what I do believe, that what Jesus teaches is true, that you will have what you need if you become generous and you give, and God will, will bless you in some incredible ways. Second is give stuff away to people, or give things away that you don't need to people or places that you love. So similar to the church, like if you, you know, have a lot of clothes or whatever, you've grown out of them, you got tired of them, give them to people you know and love. Give them to kids that you know and love. Sports equipment is so expensive. I, we've got kids in sports. It, it, it's, it breaks the bank for my kids to play anything right now. Like give give stuff away to them. And what's cool about that, when you do those sorts of things, is like they become your friends and you're following them. Like, oh, how, how, how'd they do? Like, oh, they got pinned. Great. Um, you know, but you're keeping up with them. Ministries, all of these sorts of things. And then I want to speak to, to leaders on a societal level here. And this is where you can kind of get in trouble, but why not? Um, uh, I'm a leader. And so I, you know, I believe strongly that, that leaders do sometimes carry a level of anxiety. They, they have to deal with things that other people don't have to deal with and, and all of that. Um, but I want to challenge those of us who are leaders and in leaders positions to, to make sure that as our, our level of influence and uh, affluence increases, that we help increase the level of affluence of other people. And so as people who believe in generosity and believing that God will take care of us, we need to make sure that we are taking care of other people. And so if God puts us in places of leadership, right, are we, as our income goes up, are we helping to raise up the income of other people? We are supposed to be helping take care of people and be as generous with others as we would want God to be as with us. And so that's a, that's a challenge. That's a challenge. All of these things, all of these things are an act in trusting in God's provision. And that's what Jesus is really doing here. He's saying, do you trust in God's provision? And not just now, but in the future. Here's what he says. He says, don't store up treasures 
here on earth, but storm up in heaven. So many of us do not believe in heaven. We think this is, this is all there is. But what Jesus is calling us to do is to, to live like we are in heaven now by treating people like God would treat them in heaven, but actually believe right, that the things we do now matters for the future. And the future is going to be so much better than anything that we can acquire now. And that can really change things. If we believe that God is going to take care of us, not just now, but in the future, I honestly believe that it will make us less anxious. And what I'm asking all of us to do today is really simple. It's really simple. It's act as people who believe that Jesus' teaching is true. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today and we thank you for Jesus. We believe that he's a good teacher. We believe that he's the Messiah. He, we believe that he has things for us that will improve our lives and help us to live as people who love God, who serve God. And so today, I pray, Father, that if there are any values that we have that are harming us to live as the type of people that you would have us to live, I pray that you help us to correct those, rewire those, rewire our heart, our minds, our lives. We give you thanks and praise for all that we have. I think so many people in here, I mean, we're, we're so blessed. Um, as I look around this room, I think about my own life. I mean, we are, we are, such, we are so blessed. And I give you thanks for that. And so let the things that we have not have us. Let us not give them control over us, but let us have control over them and let us use them to build the kingdom. Our materials, our treasure, our wealth, help us to invest them correctly and not get in the way too, Father, of what you value most. Help each and every person here know that you love them that you value them, that you died for them. As we stand and sing, maybe we need to respond. Maybe there's some prayer requests. People came here this morning with some, some things in their heart and their mind, and I invite them to use the, the prayer wall, Father. Um, help them to feel comfortable coming forward. We love you and we thank you. And we, praise all, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.